the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. Sometimes inflation can be a good thing. And uh, this is one of those times where we have inflated a few positions around here. And uh, it is a delight to welcome David Dahl, who has been our associate producer, up to his new position, which is our regular producer. He is now our producer, not producer pro tem, our producer. Our former producer, Bill, has been elevated himself and inflated. He is now Uber producer and uh, manager of uh, all things important, as I understand it, as well. So it is a delight to uh, have them both with us and David um, on a more regular basis and Bill in our more regular supervisory uh, basis. Congratulations to both of you. And um, I'm sure you'll all welcome David <coughs> with the open arms he's, he deserves. There are a few things I don't have a lot of patience for. It's likely a shortcoming of mine, especially since I urge that our task is to always be teaching, just as the salesman's task is to always be closing. But one of those things I don't have patience for is ignorance. And yet we are fed it every day as if we are to become more and more ignorant and about major world events that can inform our present circumstances and inform them rightly if we are cognizant of them, which is why there are massive movements in America to keep us ignorant of them, and they succeed. It would be likely a good idea for me or anyone else who suffers from this to overcome it. We must. With that in mind, a few things collide in our culture or mind Today, April 18th. Today is the anniversary of the most famous ride in American history, Paul Revere's ride. American children used to have to memorize the Longfellow, Longfellow poem in tribute to that, in memory of it. So through the night rode Paul Revere, and so through the night went his cry of alarm to every Middlesex village and farm, a cry of defiance and not of fear, a voice in the darkness, a knock at the door, and a word that shall echo forevermore. For born on the night wind of the past, through all our history to the last, in the hour of darkness and peril and need, the people will waken and listen to hear thy hurrying hoofbeats of that steed and the midnight message of Paul Revere. Because of Revere, when the Redcoats reached Lexington, American Minutemen were ready and waiting for them. Today is also pregnant in the memory of the 40th anniversary of the first Hezbollah bombing of the United States Embassy in Beirut, killing 17 Americans. We were bombed again in Beirut by Hezbollah later that year, 1983, and 241 Americans were killed. This was Hezbollah's calling card. This was and is the terrorist group created by, sponsored by, trained by, and paid for by Iran. Iranians killed Americans in 1983 after taking Americans hostage. They bombed us again, killing 19 Americans in Saudi Arabia, and they killed thousands of Americans in Iraq. 
I don't have a lot of patience for the ignorance of forgetting that, all that, simply because we were in their way in stopping their spread of ghoulish theocratic rule in a region too used to ghoulish theocratic rule, trying to escape it for a semblance of modernity. I don't have a lot of patience for forgetting all that, so much so that we have showered and want to continue to shower billions of dollars on them in the hope of buying them off. Do you know the poem by Rudyard Kipling, The Dane Guild? It seems we're beginning to understand, I hope, the importance of literature and poetry. It's interesting that it's erasure from our curriculum because too Western or too colonialist or whatever the latest disparagements of good and smart and beautiful writers of the past, that erasure comes with a commensurate ignorance of our past in the process, if not the process, of instituting and normalizing retrograde thinking. Remember how Milan Kundera, who had to flee communism after losing his fight against the Soviets in the Prague Spring, put it, quote, The first step in liquidating a people is to erase its memory, destroy its books, its culture, its history, and have somebody write new books, manufacture a new culture, invent a new history. Before long, the nation will begin to forget what it is and what it was. The world around it will forget even faster, close quote. So Kipling's Dane Guild. It is always a temptation to an armed and agile nation to call upon a neighbor and to say, we invaded you last night. We are quite prepared to fight unless you pay us cash to go away. And that is called asking for Dane Guild. And the people who ask it explain that you've only to pay them the Dane Guild and then you'll get rid of the Dane. It is always a temptation for a rich and lazy nation to puff and look important and to say, though we know we should defeat you, we have not the time to meet you. We will therefore pay you cash to go away. And that is called paying the Dane Guild. But we've proved it again and again, that if once you have paid him the Dane Guild, you never get rid of the Dane. It is wrong to put temptation in the path of any nation for fear they should succumb and go astray. So when you are requested to pay up or be molested, you will find it better policy to say, we never pay anyone, Dangeld, no matter how trifling the cost, for the end of that game is oppression and shame, and the nation that pays it is lost. Seems you could get rid of about a year of study at the Georgetown School of Foreign Service if you just had students learn that poem again. And speaking of the importance of memory, today is also Holocaust Remembrance Day. In that vein, I'm struck by two thoughts. The first is from who is perhaps the greatest literate writer on the Holocaust, Elie Wiesel, who wrote, quote, Memory is at the heart of redemption, just as forgetfulness is at the root of exile, close quote. Or as Milan Kundera, Milan Kundera also put it, the struggle of man against power is the struggle of memory against forgetting. Boy, has that struggle become more difficult. The other thought I have on Holocaust Memorial Day takes me back about three years ago when I was touring the Holocaust Museum in Israel. It is a long tour through that heart of darkness. It is graphic and when we and is somber. And when we walked out, I was standing next to another older American couple, and the husband said to his wife, eight simple and chilling and memorable words. Now I know why Israel has nuclear weapons. 
It's, of course, no accident or coincidence that those who hate and try to kill Americans also hate and try to kill Jews, Israelis, and Christians. It's, of course, no accident that the erasure of memory and history is rife in Iran. For example, where Holocaust denial is the historical pedagogy of record from Ahmadinejad to today's current President Raisi to the mullahs. It just didn't happen. That's what they say, which is not unlike the distortions and erasures of American history by the noxious retrograde revisionists and the grip and cult of anti-Western Marxism and Marxists here. Isn't it interesting that when it comes to instituting fascism and Marxism, including Islamo-fascism and Marxism, any tyranny really, the first order is, as Orwell well explained, the erasure of history, the obliteration of memory, which is the long march of the obliteration and erasure of humanity, which is defined, if by nothing else, than the living condition of having and nurturing a soul recognizing the soul within each human being. This is why one of the greatest lies of the 20th century and today is the phrase that came out of the Holocaust, never again. We keep saying it, but it's not true and it hasn't been true. There have been far too many slaughters of innocence to say we will not put up with it or ignore it ever again. Hadley Arcus was asked to write up an architectural piece on the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. some years ago when it first opened, and he wrote the following, quote, As we walked through the museum, we took a turn, suddenly coming upon a scene encountered by many other visitors to the museum, a vast vat filled with shoes. They were the shoes of the victims, collected by the Nazis as they sought to extract anything they could use again or sell. And what came flashing back instantly at that moment were the searing lines of Justice John McLean in his dissenting opinion in the Dred Scott case. You may think that the black man is merely chattel, but he bears the impress of his maker and is amenable to the laws of God and man, and he is destined to an endless existence. He has, in other words, a soul which is imperishable. It will not decompose when his material existence comes to an end. The sufficient measure of things here is that the Nazis looked at their victims and thought that the shoes were the real durables. Deliberate and forced forgetting. Again, be it from tyrannical Marxists, fascists, or theocrats, or some, some blend of those three things, which is usually found in all those things, is perhaps the greatest tool in writing the epitaph of freedom, the epitaph of America. Thinking about Paul Revere's ride and all it stood for helped lead us to be the first nation in the world to understand the proper place of the human being, which is to say the importance of the soul in the firmament of organizing a country or a regime. That's what the laws of nature and nature's God wedded to human inequality is all about, Charlie Brown. And why it is unforgivable that we tolerate so much effort to erase all of that and then wonder why there is so much carnage. In his closing argument against the Nazi war criminals at Nuremberg, the United States prosecutor Robert Jackson, yes, that Robert Jackson, said the following, quote, The reality is that in the long perspective of history, the present century will not hold an admirable position unless its second half is to redeem its first. If we cannot eliminate the causes and prevent the repetition of these barbaric events we are prosecuting, it is not 
an irresponsible prophecy to say that this 20th century may yet succeed in bringing the doom of civilization. Close quote. Preventing the repetition of barbaric events. I think of all the denial and whitewashing and sanitizing of the noxious ideologies of the past, particularly how blithely we accept Marxism here, even from those who proudly proclaim their adherence to it, how we justify riots in the name of Marxist organizations, proudly proclaimed by their founders to be Marxists, how we put up street names and banners and writings on shirts in athletic fields and courts and build monuments to those organizations, how we work with countries and silence Americans in deference to those countries that proudly proclaim their adherence to such ideologies, all the while forgetting or ignoring their body count. A body count that far surpasses even the six million we incur- we are encouraged to remember today. No, we cannot say never again. Robert Jackson closed his argument in Nuremberg saying the following about those who denied what had been done or tried to. And the message is equally important today for those who deny what their dressed up and dusted off Marxism has done and is doing. He said this. The accused stand before the record of this trial as blood-stained Gloucester stood by the body of the slain king. He begged of the widow, as they beg of you, Say I slew them not. And the queen replied, Then say they were not slain, but dead they are. If you were to say of these men that they are not guilty, it would be as true to say there had been no war, there were no slain, and there was no crime. But dead there are, and dead they are, and it all starts and will will continue to repeat itself with the denial and erasure and revision of history, this history of the innocent and the history of the civil, America's as much as anyone else's. Kundera was right. The struggle of man against power is the struggle of memory against forgetting. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. One of our most literate and finest writers in the audience is listener Charles in Phoenix. Charles, it's good to see you up on the board. How are you, sir? Good. How are you, Seth? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Thank you. You were um, animated a little bit by some of that testimony in Manhattan yesterday on victims' rights, yes? Uh, Yes. Talk to me. I, I didn't watch a lot of the actual hearings, but saw bits and pieces of it. But what I was surprised at was when the one lady, the African-American woman who lost a son to a, a stabbing That's right. attack in 2018, yeah. she was interviewed by Dana Perino and Bill Hemmer on that uh, on the Fox News, uh, the morning show. Uh-huh. Madeline Brain, and I think she said something very telling about African-Americans, and it has cleared up, maybe it's cleared up, some of the confusion that I had about why black America is so against the Republican Party. And I think it, it, it was always my thought that it was the indoctrination and the conditioning through decades of media and powerful Democrats that convinced them that Republicans were racist and they were behind all the problems 
that they were really hiding the fact that it was behind Democrats, you know, the KKK, the Confederacy, and so much. But yet, African Americans are um, still conditioned into believing that Republicans are the racists. And she said to um, to Bill Hemmer that she was so fed up with Alvin Bragg and what was going on in New York that she was going to become a conservative. And she said, I'm urging all of my African-American friends to become conservatives, too. And they were a bit surprised by that, I think, but she clarified that she said conservative and not Republican because she said African-Americans will not register as Republicans. So it got me to thinking the problem is pretty big that Republicans face. They've got to find a way of connecting the dots between Republicans and uh, the Constitution and freedom and liberty and anti-slavery type issues, both culturally and physically. And uh, I don't know if they can bridge that gap. Uh, I think that we're at a civil war with the Democrat Party, uh, not a cannon-firing violent war, not yet at least, but it's a cultural civil war, and the divide, I think, is extremely great, greater than maybe I thought it was. She really said a lot with that one statement. I only wish that Dana and Bill had followed up on it a little bit and say, give us some clarification between a Republican and a conservative, because I know there's a lot of conservatives that are not happy with the Republican Party, but for all, but in all reality, it is still the driving locomotive that gets conservatives and some independents elected. It's by way of the Republican Party. You're not going to run and win as an independent, and you're not, and you can't just call yourself a conservative. And I fear now that there are probably a lot of African Americans that are conservative, but they keep it within the confines of their house. And when they go to the voting booth, they still vote for Democrats. They just will not vote for a Republican and will not register for one, even if those people follow their own personal beliefs closer. There's just this hold that Democrats have on minorities, and the media, of course, promotes it. And one last thing I'll say, because uh, I've been kind of rambling No, here. you're fine, you're fine. But one last thing was was that what that the first thing that Joe Biden one of the first things that Joe Biden did with his executive orders one on his first day of being president was to get rid of the seventeen seventy six project. That's right. That's so right. he has pushed sixteen nineteen and CRT and the T the media has pushed it and it's just solidifying that and uh it's just a shame. I'm with you, Charles. Uh, there's a lot in what you said. Let me do this. Let me do my culture and economy update when we come right back and then pursue this with you and any other callers. Uh, we have a few others on hold, too. You're welcome to stay or not on hold or not. But I want to pursue this in depth. Just give me a just give me a little time here and we'll do it. There's a lot in what you said and a lot I want to unpack. And I thank you for all you do and your call. And I'll put you back on if you stay. Thanks. We'll be right back.
Well, he has a powerful principal with a lot of great ideas. He is John Dombrowski. He is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. He is also the host of his own radio show, heard here every Saturday morning on 960 AM, The Patriot at 7 AM, The Word on Wealth. Hello, John. How are you? Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. That was a mouthful. It, well, you know, it's it, it's all accurate and it's all true, and uh, you know how much I respect you, and so much uh, oh, of our audience so does as well. You bet. Uh, tax day, I was, oh, yes. I, you know, <laughs> we'll we'll never be quit of this. I I was watching. There was a rally in D.C. earlier of millionaires for higher taxes. Well, a few did. <laughs> nothing stops them. Nothing stops them from paying higher taxes if they want. No one, Absolutely. No one stops yeah. them, and they can hit that little check on their tax return to do so. That is correct. Uh, you know, it's interesting. You, you did flag something here, uh, which talked about an investment yes. tax yes. at 86%. Yes. Um, could you imagine, and this is what basically this is saying here, um, you know, four out of five dollars of a gain would be paid taxes. Yeah, that's right. Imagine that. Yeah. Uh, you know what's interesting? This, this again, we we think about who would ever invest in anything ever yeah. again? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. We we think about investments uh, as as a you know taking on risk. Mm-hmm. Of course, when you hear the word investment, it's kind of basically just says, hey, there's some risk involved here. Yeah, of course. There's nothing, no right. guarantee. Right. And what do we get for that that risk? Well, we expect to have some type of return. Right. Uh, but if, if the government's going to take most of that return, right. then what is the incentive to invest? That's exactly right. That's and exactly. if that's the case, it's going to hurt the overall economy. It is. It is a, It has just been a way that our country has been different than every other country out there. That we have this this innate ability to invest in companies, and companies have a, a, a way of making a profit. And of course, in turn, we as investors, as stock prices go up, can take advantage of that. Uh, and the interesting thing is, is it's not just on taxes uh, for you know stocks or bonds or mutual funds, but what about real estate? Right. Same thing. Right. It's the same tax. It's a capital gain tax. And what about those small business owners yes, out there, yes. Seth? who own a business, who have built a business from the ground up, started in their garage or wherever, and grew it into a, a, a very nice-sized business, whether they employ 50, 100, 200, or 1,000 people, uh, and eventually one day they decide to retire and sell that business. It's the same thing. What, the government's going to take 80% of the, uh, the, the profit of that? It would be insane. This it would is, it would kill the economy. That, well, it would kill the economy, and what I guess these millionaires for paying more and the AOC types mm-hmm. refuse to appreciate, understand, learn, or or get is that while they're always talking about the American worker, who do they think employs the American worker but people who put money at risk in these enterprises, as you say, that hire them? Where do they think the American worker um, that they seem to want to speak on behalf of are going to get their paychecks? Yeah, yeah, they're going to tell the business owners how much they have to pay, Right. how much they have to, you know, pay the employees. Uh, they're going to regulate them to death with yep. all the regulatory and you know mm-hmm. issues that we have to face as business owners. And then on top of that, as you make a profit, we're going to take most of it. Yeah, we're going to take <laughs> most of it to make sure that you don't invest in new enterprises or build on the enterprises that you have to employ and expand, expand and employ more people. Yeah. It 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 seems to be so fundamentally um, obvious, yeah. but. 
but I mean, you know, I guess when you're thinking about theories having to do with redistribution and socialism, the obvious is what you're working against. And I think it was President Biden who said it all so well. He said, that business, he goes, you didn't build that business. Right, right. (laughs) Right. The government did it. Yeah. They, you didn't do it. Yeah, they yeah. keep like liking to stick it to the guy or the gal who who does you know put their shoulder to the wheel to try and build something and make the country and their community a little bit better. That's that's who they like to stick it to. That's the thing to remember on a day like today. And I do believe though that uh, you know the government does have its role to protect employees. There are certain employers, obviously, out there that would take advantage of employees. So there's no question about it. There are some good regulatory. Uh, you know, practices that that have been put in place because of government. But overall, uh, you have to allow the business owner, the risk taker, to be able to also have that opportunity to make. That's right. But uh, but that tax avoidance, uh, that tax avoidance goes up when taxes go up. It goes down when taxes go down. Revenues go up when taxes go down as well. Go down. Exactly right. J.D., you're the best man. Thank you. Go to GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA Recipient and Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. John, do the Whataburger thing. I love that. Do that. <laughs> do it again for me. Whataburger, what a shot. There now you I'm go. <laughs> I love you, man. We'll talk to you soon. I'll All right. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Charles, are you still with me in Phoenix, Charles? Uh, yes, for a while. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, to reset, uh, you were taken by an interview, Madeline Brame. She is the mother of a, um, of a uh, slain, uh, uh, slain uh, member of the military uh, in New York who was testifying at the field hearing of victims' rights on victims' rights yesterday. And she uh, got into it with a Democratic congressman at the field hearing saying that she, in her words, as I recall them, Charles, in, in that hearing, she said in her words that she left the Democratic plantation, the Democratic Party plantation, um, words that have a specific, um, a specifically poignant meaning coming from an African-American woman. Um, and you were re- reciting that in an interview she did with Bill Hemmer. She was saying that – tell me if I have this right, Charles, or reset it correctly – that she wants to say she's a conservative, not a Republican, uh, or she wants to join the conservatives, not the Republicans. Is that about close to yeah, right? Yeah, she considers herself a conservative, and he urges – she urges all of her friends yeah. who are African-American – to become conservatives too. To she said, register conservative. Yeah, yeah, let me. Yeah, let me unwind that a little bit. New York has a, I think, unlike any other state, has a very vibrant conservative party um, that we wouldn't quite kind of recognize as existing here. Uh, so, for example, um, it was founded by William Buckley when he ran for mayor in 1965, and he ran against a Democrat, Abe Beam, and a Republican, you'll remember, John Lindsay. John Lindsay was the Republican Party candidate. Yes. So Bill Buckley founded the Conservative Party because he thought John Lindsay was uh, perverting <laughs> the Republican Party. Um, and then later, his brother, James, became elected on the Conservative Party ticket. So there is a vibrant, active Conservative Party in New York that I think she was referencing when she was talking about what she wanted to register for. And often the parties will endorse the Republican candidate. Um, But you raise this, you know, 
perennial interesting question about the African-American community and the Republican Party. Uh, you could raise it around other um, minorities as well. You could talk about it in regard to the Jewish American voting community as well, which seems to be so wedded uh, to the Democratic Party and for all the wrong reasons. Now, you were mentioning that this connotation of what the Democrats try to foist upon uh, the black voter or the minority voter or the Jewish American voter to think that the Republicans don't have their interests at heart and they are the party that does is uh, is a fiction, but it has been a successful fiction, as we know, for many, many years. Look, if you were an African-American, a black person in America from a, about the end of slavery for the next hundred years, if you were looking for uh, political safety, if you were looking for a party that had your interests at heart, there was no question but that you would support the Republican Party. This is what Frederick Douglass worked for. This is what uh, the entire firmament of the Republican Party worked for up until the 1960s. And, of course, the Democrats had, as you point out well, a terrible legacy, whether it was being an adjunct of the KKK, whether it was Woodrow Wilson, who aired a KKK film in the White House, The Birth of a Nation, and resegregated Washington, D.C., whether it was the Republicans who were sponsoring anti-lynching legislation as early as the 20s and 30s and sponsoring civil rights legislation before it was supposedly popular in the 1960s. This was the Republican Party. 1964 changed all of that with the Civil Rights Act. And uh, not to get too deep into it unless you guys want to, but 1964 changed all that, but again under a distortion. Because while it is true Lyndon Johnson got the credit and pushed through the uh, pushed through the passage and signing of it, what people don't realize is that a higher percentage of Republicans in the House and Senate voted for the Civil Rights Act than Democrats. Um, the Democrats were trying to stop it. Democrats with famous names, Democrats whose names you may remember, like Al Gore Sr. or um, William Fulbright or um, Sam Irvin, the hero of the Watergate committee hearings. Yeah. These were Democrats. Yes, go ahead. People that current, current Democrats that are old enough right. still remember. As heroes, by the way. As yeah. heroes, as part of the great pantheon of the great Democratic Party. Right. Yeah. The Fulbright scholarships. Ever heard of those? Oh, um, yeah. So it got a bad rap because Barry Goldwater, the nominee that year, happened to be a Republican who voted against the Civil Rights Act. Now. What story? What the story misses is that Barry Goldwater did not vote against the 1964 Civil Rights Act because of the reason those Democrats did, racism. That was the reason those Democrats did, segregationism. He voted against it on purely libertarian grounds. He just simply had the philosophy that government shouldn't tell businesses who to hire and who to who to have uh, who to who to enforce that they take customers of. It may have been, uh, you know, an extremely um, out of time, out of place, <laughs> wrong time, wrong place to be making that point. But Barry Goldwater was not anyone who had had in and of himself reason to be afraid of being charged as a racist. He helped desegregate Sky Harbor when he was here. He helped desegregate the Air National Guard when he was in Phoenix before he was. He founded the ACLU. Yes, I think the NAACP. Maybe. Or no, the NDA, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the NAACP. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. 
And here's, with all that history, the thing I'm a little worried about in this position of um, whether it's Brames or, or how you were casting it, Charles. I think to the African-American ear, because of the success of the Democratic Party's um, propaganda on this, I almost think to the to the minority ear, conservative sounds a little more daunting than Republican. Conservative kind of takes them, I would think, the ear uh, to something backwards, if you will, turning back of the clock, if you will, phrases we don't like. But I think that, you know, the Republican Party, if it can remind the world that it is the party of Lincoln and the party of civil rights and the party of opposing uh, your Woodrow Wilsons and your segregationists, uh, those Southern Democrats, they were they were they were they were the segregationists and racists. Well, you know, Seth, yeah, but I think I think the particular point I want to make is I think when she talks about the conservative move uh, registering as a conservative, I think she's talking about a specific New York thing. But go ahead. Well, I I agree with everything you're saying, but here's where the problem is: the 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 Democrats maintain all the megaphones. Yes, right, and they are going to constantly tell you the opposite of course and it's 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 a constant thing uh it's the tv shows. yes, it's our, yes. our own our own local newspaper yes is as bad as any of them uh, i mean it is just propaganda and they're never going to give the republicans a break and it's like this across the nation and it is very difficult to get anybody to go beyond that Without well, we, we, we make breakthroughs here and there. We make breakthroughs. Think about the Republican field right now for the presidency. <laughs> it has more ethnic mi- and racial minorities than any Democratic primary for the presidency has ever had, whether it's Tim Scott, possibly Larry Elder, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy. Never, 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 never give in. Lesson from Churchill. Bless you, Charles, and thank you. Be right back. Folks, with all the vagaries in the economy, whether it's coming from the Fed or the stock market or the failing of banks, Y-Refi gives you the opportunity to invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's an investment where you can compound your interest, you can compound your monthly income, you can turn it on and off, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio. Why Refi is a local company. They're at Scottsdale Road and the 101. I would encourage you to stop by their offices if you're interested. I've been there many times. I can tell you, you will not get a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. When you meet with the team at Why Refi, you'll see why I trust and like them so much. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest. The letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. They offer, as a due diligence firm, an up to 10.25% rate of return, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Or if you don't want to check them out online, or even after you do, give them a call at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. Rob's in surprise. Hello, Rob. Hi, Seth. Um, congratulations to both Dave and Bill on their promotions. Yes, That's sir. very cool. You bet. And uh, ho- hopefully there are just monstrous increases in their paychecks yeah. on top of that. Um and and yours as well, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I was I was I was reading something kind of interesting. Um, 
in uh, the Federalist today, yeah. a guy named Sean Fleetwood, and this is about Mike Pompeo, I guess. Uh, the title was Republican Voters Don't Have an Appetite for Neoconservatism, okay. and Mike Pompeo's Failed Presidential Aspirations Prove It. Okay. I don't like the title, but I, I thought about the whole neoconservatism thing because, you know, again, words mean things, and I'll bet you it's much like conservatism not always understood uh, to be what people think it means. Correct, right. And and the same thing is with the neos. And um, I, I found it rather interesting because from what I recall of neoconservatism, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, if it wasn't founded by, it was certainly influenced by Irving Kristol, wasn't it? Was. It? it was founded by Irving Kristol and James Q. Wilson and Norman Podhoritz, and it was Norman founded Podhoritz. as a domestic policy movement. Um, bunch of social scientists. You know James Q. Wilson of the Broken Windows Theory. He was the criminologist. Right. right. That's where you know his yeah. name. Yes, it started off as a domestic policy movement. You know, the odd thing, do I have to go to top of the hour break here? I, I kind of do. Let me let me stick with it. You want to pick up on this at the top of the hour? It's kind of an, I, I don't mind talking conservatism all day long, Rob. That's what we're here for. You want to yeah, stick around? Let's do it. Absolutely. All right, we'll you stick betcha. around. You bet. We'll have a roiling conversation about conservatism and i'll read that sean fleetwood piece over the break that'll you gave me a homework consignment there rob hope you're happy (laughs) we'll be right back three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.